Greetings, fellow travelers. Welcome to the 50th episode of the RPG Cave, or the 50th level, if you will. I'm one of your hosts, the Level 99 Human Archmage, Ryan Turford, and I'm joined, as always, by the Level 99 Elf Medic, Mr. Garrett Blinn. Garrett, how are you doing on this lovely, lovely Monday? We finally made it to level 50. We're halfway to level 99. This is great. All right, do we have a job advancement? Do we get like a second class or what, what's the deal with level 50? Is there anything big? There's nothing big uh, in, in this. 50. I mean, the, no, there's nothing big. OK, the game just Sounds doesn't good. end at level 99, Garrett, because, you know, you as prestige. I mean, are we going to prestige this? <laughs> maybe, maybe just like, you know, a certain game that you might have been played that we're, we're talking about today where the game just doesn't end when you max level, Garrett. You know, you just. It keeps no. going after that, and you fight enemies up. You fight, fight enemies above your level, Garrett. Essentially, pretty much. That's what that's we're what you doing do. this show. Essentially, <laughs> when we get you know hundred episodes in, that's what it's going to be like. So there we go. And and actually, it's kind of kind of special too, because like you know, we started this this show last year, like around this time last May, mm-hmm. um, and and we'd also started the PlayStation Drive and the Nintendo Drive around that time. And now all three of those shows have finally hit 50 episodes. So I'm so proud. Wow. We actually made it to the, this first of many milestones to come, I think for a lot of our shows. Um, but it's cool to see us hitting 50. In fact, Garrett, we've been almost, we've been basically doing the show for a year now, which is just crazy to think about. That's think about it. actually kind of crazy to think about. I still think of this as the, Oh, this is the new podcast I'm in. I'm in the new, you know, show with Ryan Turford. This is awesome. It's like, yeah. no, it's been one year. And I'm like, Oh, time flies. Yep. Everything is just passing away. Time. Wow. It's now you know crazy. how it feels to be <laughs> someone like me or Elaine every single day. Just, <laughs> you feel like time's just slipping away. You're just, your life is just grains in an hourglass, just drifting by. It's just, and your just knees hurt all the time. It's too much. It's too hey much. man, we're going to enjoy video games while, while we're at it. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh, so. Obviously, today's topic, as you can probably tell from the title of this episode, Shin Megami Tensei 5, because, I mean, it's been a journey it. with Garrett playing this game pretty much from the time we did the Shin Megami Tensei episode, because we did an episode about yes. Shin Megami Tensei as a series uh, the week that Shin Megami Tensei 5 was coming out. And then since then, yes. you know, Garrett's basically been playing the game since November of last year. So, you know, we're finally here to talk about that. But before we get into all that, you know what we got to do? We got to, you know, clear the dungeon of some pesky mobs because, you know, we don't want these trash mobs in the way. And I every time Mm -hmm. time we go to the segment, Garrett, I always hit my microphone. It it wouldn't be an episode of the RPG Cave if I didn't hit the microphone. (laughs) So, folks, if you want to support the show, there's a number of awesome ways to do that. Number one, if you're watching us on the live stream right now on YouTube.com slash Carpool Gaming, or if you're watching the VOD later, like Kevin Ainsworth said he would do in the morning, make sure to like like the video, subscribe to us if you haven't subscribed to us already. Ding, ding, ding. Ring that bell for some notifications to be notified whenever our videos go live or when we go live with a live stream like this one. Also, if you're listening on audio feeds, don't forget to hit the, the subscribe button there. Don't forget to rate us if you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And on Spotify specifically, because I've had some people ask about this, you actually have to go into Spotify app on your phone or your tablet to rate. You can't do it through the web browser. So just FYI, can you do it on the, the desktop app itself? I've never tried it, but I don't, I've, I've had people tell me you they've used it before and they can't find where to rate podcasts. So on there's a, there's a little thing gaming. when you sign into, to when you're, you're on a podcast page where it has like a five star there and you click on it and you rate the podcast there. It's super mm. easy, but you have to be on a Spotify specific app in order to do that. So just FYI that that's a thing. 
Also, if you want early access to all of our shows as well as some exclusive shows like the Pants Patreon Podcast for Patrons Podcast, head over to Patreon, patreon.com slash carpoolgaming and choose the tier that's right for you. And then last but not least, we have a merch store, Garrett, where if you want an RPG Cave shirt or if you want a Carpool Gaming shirt of a different show, because we do have uh, one for all the shows as well as just Carpool Gaming in general, head over to our merch store as well. And then also, I lied. One last thing. I'm gonna. This will be the last week I promote this because uh, we've gotten, I got a couple more uh, entries from between last show oh, and this show. Cool. Um, but yeah. I want to kind of promote this for the last time. We're doing a quick survey over on the RPG Cave. I basically got a link to a Google form in the description of this video, um, basically asking mm-hmm. y'all for your feedback, like what topics do you want to see us cover? Um, also, if you would like to guest on the show, um, that's how I'm mm-hmm. kind of fielding responses for guests. Um, and I've reached out to some people this week, and I'm actually reaching out to more people this week as well. So if you haven't heard from me yet, but you indicated on the survey that you want to be on the show, and I haven't you haven't heard from me yet, you're probably going to hear from me this week. So just FYI, yes. check your Discord inboxes uh, because I will be reaching out to y'all about that. But if you want to be part of this cool show, again, let be part of the, the just jump into the uh, the survey. It takes a couple seconds to just throw your info there and let us know uh, what you want us to talk about. And we'll go from there. But without further ado, Garrett, it's time to read from the sacred text because, you know, I had to carry Let's the show it. as long as I could because I, this is going to be a mostly a Garrett filled show this week's folks, for sure, uh, which I'm excited to, to, to kind of pick your brain about this. And the community was also very excited about this as well. That is Shin Megami Tensei 5. As I mentioned in the Let's intro again, you've been playing this forever. This has been a long yes. journey and you've talked about it on this show, but mostly on Shaq because, you know, Rebecca mostly and Elaine, on Shaq, yeah would like ask you every week what you're playing and it was just always Shin Megami Tensei 5? It was just that for the longest time. Yeah, I I just want to, you know, let everyone know kind of my journey with this game. Of course, it's been quite a few months. Um, I think I put most of my time, I put Mm -hmm. 70%, 60, 70% of my time within the last month. Yeah. Um, That was kind of the majority of my gameplay with it initially in november i played it for a good while then i had to finish a phd mm-hmm. in the middle of it and then also t- played some other games in between i played gardens of the galaxy i played legends Arceus. so yeah i took some breaks here and there but finally got back into it um probably like um mid-april somewhere around there beginning to mid-april and just went hacked it all the way through um mm-hmm. beating it um like this past week about a week ago yeah and, so, and actually i'm glad you yeah. put that in perspective because i know when you gave your hour count on shack this week i i know that elaine kind of just like laughed it off and been like oh that's that's not even that's not even a big number of hours but it's just you know how much how much your life has really changed you know even since yeah. this game came out you know between moving and you know getting your phd mm-hmm. done and your new job like there's been so much going on that you just didn't have a, a, as much time for games as you know, you used to maybe, you know, a year or two yeah. ago. Right. So, yeah, it, it, uh, it's easy to kind of lose sight in that when we're, we're having conversations like this. So um, mm-hmm. I'm glad that you finally were able to invest enough time and kind of stick with it to finally, you know, finish it and kind of, you know, give us almost like your your book report today. They kind of tell, yes. tell us, you know, why maybe we should check this one out or, you know, why it's it's you know, it might just be a masterpiece as, you know, the the thumbnail for this video has totally, you know, mm-hmm. kind of spoiled at least a little bit. And we'll kind of get into it from here. But of course, when we start off with a game franchise or just a game in general, Garrett, 
We got to start with Odin. fun facts because you got to give me something to talk about on the show. But to be fair, I, I kept it very brief because I, I wanted to give you very brief. Yes, because um, <laughs> I mean, what was interesting about Jim Megami Tensei five is we've just known about it forever going all the way back to 2017 because this was one of the one of the games that was announced during the Switch showcase in oh, January of 2017, uh, <laughs> which was like one of the most insane showcases ever of and not not insane as in, man, these games are amazing, but insane is like, mm-hmm. what the heck is going on with this showcase? Why is Suda 51 talking a million miles an hour, but the trans right. translator can't keep up with them? Or what? It, what is this re- random trailer for Shin Megami Tensei 5? And yeah, it was a whole thing. That, again, the, the cups, the, the ice in, in the cup, Garrett. That's where we got that from. The, the ice cues, man. Yeah. It, it just kept shaking <laughs> and people were going wild to figure out how many ice cues were in that darn Joy-Con. Yeah. And then there was this very weird, very obtuse game that a very niche crowd was very excited for. I, um, I mean, I remember Shin press being very excited about it too because... Um, I think I mentioned this on other shows and maybe I mentioned it here as well. But one of the first press events mm-hmm. I ever went to was the Nintendo Switch launch event, like right before the Switch was coming out. Where we got to play oh, wow. every single Switch launch game. And one of the games that was there was one Two switch. And I remember like that was the one of the games that had like the <laughs> biggest press lineup of people that wanted to play it. And people were had, had a great time with the, playing, you know, the, the the cowboy draw game and stuff like that. And I'm just like. I don't know about this game. <laughs> that's that's how I thought of it. Turns out I was the one that was right, a little bit right in the end, anyways, with one two switch. Uh, but but again, I want to put it in perspective because it's funny because like the switch has been around for five years now. We're celebrating the five yeah. year anniversary of the switch this year. This is like one of the first games we even got announced for the console was this game. Like it was yeah. pretty long, yeah. early on in the presentation. We before that we just didn't know like any of the games coming to the console besides Street Fighter, essentially an NBA. So mm-hmm. um, it was kind of cool that, you know, a Shin Megami Tensei game would kind of kick it off. It was also, again, the very first RPG we got announced on the console, although later in that showcase, we also got Project Octopath Traveler as well. But mm-hmm. also similarly, and, and the reason I bring this up is also <laughs> took the, the longest out of any game out of that showcase to actually come out because it took five years for it to come out or sorry, four years because it released worldwide on November 11th, 2021, but mm-hmm. what's interesting about the release date and the release for this game, it was the first time Atlas did a worldwide release for any game because Atlas usually puts their games out oh, in Japan wow. first and then they localize them in different regions and then they put them out there like four or five months later or even a year later sometimes with, you know, we saw that with the Persona games. We saw that with with a lot of their uh, like Vanillaware games were kind of like that, too. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was the first time Atlas has done like a worldwide release for an RPG like this, which I think was a pretty big feat for them and and something that I think they're going to continue to go do going forward, essentially, with, you know, all of their games going forward where they like, I hope so. I think with yeah. Persona 6, like I don't I don't oh, think with that I game, hope so. I don't, I don't think we get a delay with Persona 6. I think they do launch it yeah. when it comes out. But. I agree with that. I, I think Atlas is understanding Western markets. And I, I think especially Persona, um, I think it's way more popular um, overall than <clears throat> Shin Megami Tensei. And it's like, I think they have a good workflow with that voice acting and translation um, to hit a release date worldwide. And I think that that just benefits everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. One of exactly. the last few companies uh, making that transition, I think. Yeah, so, especially cool. like, yeah, a lot of Jap- Japanese companies like Capcom and stuff, they used to, they all used to do that. But yeah, like you said, they've really all kind of transitioned over to being, you know, 
at least West, like, uh, like prioritizing Japan and North America first. And then if it has to come to Europe later, we get that. We're kind of seeing that this month with AI, the Somnium Files um, Nirvana mm-hmm. Initiative, which is a sequel coming out. It's actually getting released in North America first, then Japan and Europe next month in, Ju- in July. That's so, which is crazy. So weird. Yeah, it was, it was supposed to be a worldwide release date for all territories, but then it first got delayed in Europe and then it got delayed in Japan. So it's coming mm-hmm. out in North America first, which is, again, bizarre for a game like that. Like something I would never have thought, you know, you would have seen, you know, five or 10 years ago. Essentially, you would have seen the opposite right. where, it would, where it definitely would have been delayed here and then come out in Japan first as well. Right. So, but yeah, so. Those are kind of my fun facts. I mean, for the most part, we also know that, you know, this game was a big contender at the Game Awards last year. It wasn't up for Game of the Year, but it was up for RPG Game of the Year and some other categories. Mm-hmm. It didn't win anything, unfortunately, like and, and to be fair, Tales of Arise, we talked about it on the show before. Yeah, spoiler cast for that. I, I think like it was it was kind of a toss up between those two games. And I think like just t- Tales of Arise was just a much more approachable game, I think. But yeah, and I think um, Shin Megami Tensei 5 was very close to the deadline to the mm. dropout so i i feel like i don't yeah. know not much um the yeah. people that were voting uh, for the awards didn't really play that game too much i mean in well. full transparency as someone who was on part of the voting process i can tell yeah. you that it was like we they, the game might have been out for like a day before we had to submit yeah so, so it, i mean <laughs> yeah it's nice to get nominated i don't think they expected anything out of the awards yeah um, exactly but it was cool to see it there though like because that's because we we did see that for persona 5 but beyond that like atlas really never had like a big representation at the game awards with a lot of their stuff mm-hmm. um so mm-hmm. it was good to see them them recognized both for that and then 13 sentinels as well last year as well yes um, was also there so good to know for that one but otherwise you know sales have been pretty strong for this game as well so hopefully we might see some more shimigami tensei action in North America mm-hmm. going forward, Garrett. But I think it's time to start giving you the floor. So first off, I yes. know you wanted to kind of cut this into two sections and I kind of want to preface it now for anyone who's watching the live stream as well. We're going to kind of do non-spoilers first and then spoiler yes. talk. Um, kind of like what we do with a, with a review, but this is just giving me a normal episode of the show because we're going to, that's just how we do things on, on the RPG game. There's mm-hmm. no rules here. There's no cops, you know? Um, but then, of course, the community came out in full fourth, Garrett, because they, they have a lot of questions. They have a lot of questions, so that's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so, I'm, I'm going to just be laying out kind of like what, what the game is, um, my impressions of it, and just overall aspects. I wrote down some, like, big pillars um, mm-hmm. to talk about mainly, and you can probably discuss about it, too, with me, is the mechanics of the game you've, yeah. you've played um, at least a few hours. Yeah, I've played about Shimagama 10 hours, Tensei. but I just put it yeah. down because it was the type of experience that I just wasn't really craving at the point of time when it came out. And I just haven't gone back to it since because it has been, you know, a busy enough year, you know, playing PS1 yeah. games for a certain other show or, you know, that playing, playing modern <laughs> games. I mean, it is great because I love PS1 games, I but bet. it takes up more time <laughs> than I was expecting. Whereas, uh, you know, to, whereas normally I might fit something like Shin Megami Tensei in, in a month like May, for example, like that we're in right, right. now. Right. Or is a bit slower. Right. Sounds good. Um, but, I'll uh, be talking about. You, oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I just, I'll be mainly talking about mechanics. Um, I'll talk about pacing in a broad perspective no spoilers just like how do i think of it uh level design atmosphere um story i'll get into more spoilerific stuff but i'll just say what my impressions are with the story and then the monsters specifically okay um, so i kind of broke it down like that yeah. a lot of stuff well 
Yeah. Let's t- start it off, Garrett, by just, you know, me- talking about the fact that even though we assume most people listening to the show probably know what this game is, you know, mm-hmm. I want you to, to tell me, you know, what what Shimigami Tensei is five is for someone who's never played this game before or is mm-hmm. new to the series or just hasn't really heard of this game. Because I know it was under even though it sold pretty well in its first week for an Atlas game. I mean, it still yeah. was under a lot of people's radars, I think. So so tell me about what yes. this game actually is and what do you do in this game? So Shimigami Tensei five um, is a turn based uh, Japanese role playing game where you are a protagonist, very similar to the Persona games, just like protagonist, whatever you want your name is, um, is a guy. And um, I mean, I'll kind of broke down like the synopsis of the beginning of the game because I feel like you see this in trailers. Like (laughs) you you see this pretty much everywhere. Um, You basically become uh, this, this being called the Nahubino, uh, which you merge into another spiritual, sensual being. And then um, basically you're trying to, um, I, I would say, figure out what's the problem in Japan. Basically, they've been run over by demons uh, spontaneously. And then you get transported some distant future of uh, Tokyo. Um, and then you kind of just go through the story from then on out. You get to meet a bunch of characters along the way and there's a lot of um kind of uh, symbolism between angels and demons very um in line with the shimagami tensei franchise um where a lot of monsters are coming from ancient mythology whether it comes from greek or roman or whatsoever there's a lot of interactions with angels and demons and you will see that throughout the story it is a turn-based role-playing game so Basically, you go into battle and you kind of collect these monsters or these demons um, throughout the game. In order to get these demons, you have to talk to them. And talking to them is its own separate mechanic. It is ruthless sometimes. Uh, When you talk to them, um, you might have to negotiate. You have to go through conversations with them. And these conversations are obtuse. It's not necessarily one. It's very hard to figure out the correct answer because you don't know their personality initially. But once you get to know that demon's personality, um, you get to be on their side. So once you get a bunch of these monsters in your party, it's kind of like Pokemon where they are in your party and they're fighting with you against other demons. Um, There is a leveling system with the Nahubino and also with your monsters. And then there's like skills like Pokemon where there's various elemental attacks um and so on and so forth um so that's kind of like a broad view of what this game is and then i kind of want to just break down a little bit more of the mechanics um Mm -hmm. of this game because i i feel like i just kind of like just broke the ice like the surface of it um basically uh there is a skill proficiency system um so i i kind of like told you a little bit about the elements but here's all the elements there's physical attacks there's fire ice electric force light and dark magic attacks then there's almighty uh attacks which is kind of like um it's kind of like physical based attacks but there's actually like it's pretty overpowered there's no Mm -hmm. um strength or weakness against it you can't block it really um, so it's like an overpowered magic attack, essentially. Well, the way and I then, look at it, that is like it yeah. almost feels like like uh, non-elemental 
magic in a lot of games because yeah. a lot of older rpgs in particular like if they wanted to give you like like ridiculously overpowered attacks or or magic attacks they yeah. give you non-elemental magic attacks that would basically have no strength and weaknesses essentially um so mm-hmm. I, I i think it actually kind of fills a similar niche anyways with that yeah definitely so and it becomes really important in late game um and then there's like an ailment um kind of proficiency where there you can like give them a give a monster confusion poison stuff like that there's a charm proficiency make uh making sure how well you can charm a monster in battle and that charm would just uh, it's kind of like pokemon where it's like they're just infatuated they don't move or anything like that in their turn and -hmm. then there's a buff and debuff skill proficiency so there's a lot of different skills that a monster can be um, really good at or really weak at on top of that um they the um, kind of like the defenses or weaknesses and strengths of various different monsters is is there as well so let's say there's a monster that's um the weakness is electric um and that other uh, another monster hits electric on that monster it'll just display out weak and then the other person gets an extra turn on that. Mm-hmm. And that actually puts a lot of strategy in the mechanics of, of the battles themselves. You want to make sure that you are figuring out what the weaknesses of your enemy demons are so you can get extra turns in your game. Um, yeah, which is very default- reminiscent of something like Persona as well, where you're you're very yes. much like, you know, explaining the weaknesses so you can you know, kind of gang up on the enemies kind of with your party. And that's kind of what you're doing in this game a little bit, too. Um, and, and the nice yes. thing is, too, when you kind of recruit a monster as well, you even if you haven't figured out their weaknesses and uh, strengths, you will usually learn it as soon as you, you know, basically have a monster join your party, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's basically it um anything else uh so extra things like well i i said weak two or normal two there's also like you know they can build up um resistance blocks or reflects on certain elements as well and if there is a block it will like cost two turns on the other uh turn so that you got to keep in mind with that as well if you put out a magic attack that you know tries to attack all the monsters but one of them is like reflecting or whatever you're kind of screwed in that battle it's like okay you're that turn's done it's going to go to the to the enemy's turn and they're, they're going to go through their moves um this game um once you go through the initial battles you can tell it's pretty ruthless mm-hmm. um basically you you want to um be at the upper advantage as much as you can and that means like detect it uh make sure you go into a battle and i I should explain how you get into a battle it's like free roaming third person around and then you kind of like hit it's kind of like you know any a lot of rpgs these days you kind of like hit a monster and then you instantly go into a turn-based battle you want to make sure you're hitting them first if they hit you it's going to be an enemy phase first and that's that's not so good in this game um you might get pretty beat up in one one turn (laughs) Um, and that's kind of like, you know, how punishing this game can be. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll exploit your weaknesses. Like they'll know it and they'll exploit it. Um, bosses have unlimited what is called mana points or MP. And that's what you, you use to cost you like basically your magic skills and, and whatnot. Right. Um, and so, yeah, this game is known and, and this franchise is known to be a little bit uh, tougher, a little bit more punishing than let's say a pokemon game or persona really i mean 
Persona can get tough, but this this game this game is tough from the get go or like from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's initially challenging, and then once you lose, if you lose your character, like you're like in battle, you're going straight to the title screen, and you're gonna go back to your previous save. And give yeah. you perspective. I my save file is eighty six hours. Um, that does not include my deaths. My deaths include another ten hours. Um, in there, so it's a lot take of it what you will. If if you're into it, <laughs> great. It yeah. is a challenging game. So what are you about to say? What I was going to say actually is I wanted to bring in the Muffin Mon on Discord who asks, I've only played Persona because much like Dark Souls, I've heard that Shin Megami Tensei has a brutal difficulty. How do you find this? Is it exaggerated? I mean, clearly Mm. we've just talked about a year. I don't think it's exaggerated because I think both you and I both agree the difficulty in this game is really hard. Even if you play the game on easy, it's actually pretty difficult. But at the same time, I think we both agree as well about this point. Correct me if I'm wrong, Garrett, but I think like Shin Megami Tensei 5 out of when you compare it to the other Shin Megami Tensei mainline titles, is probably the easiest one of the five. Would I be correct in saying I, that, do you think? I would say it is the most accessible um, right. one. The one that you can like kind of get out of like a kind of a pitfall. If you're in like kind of a tight spot or whatever. Yeah, yeah you're not like this- pigeonholed like in Shin Megami Tensei 3 Nocturne, where you can really right. put yourself into a corner. You basically have to start the whole game over unless you made like five different saves as you progress through the game, essentially. Mm-hmm. So yeah, throughout an open world, there's these king- these save points called Leyline Fountains. And in these Leyline Fountains, you can save your game unlimited times. You can recover your party. Uh with a certain amount of money. Um, and you can go to a store and in, in, to a dark world to fuse your monsters or whatnot. And they're kind of scattered throughout the open world pretty nicely, pretty sparsely. Um, you eventually get an item in the game where um, if you're playing on normal, um, you can just press a button and like instantly go back to that previous ley line fountain mm-hmm. um, anywhere in that open world. And I think that just helps. Um, kind of new players getting into this game is like, Hey, I died. Now I'm like, okay, I'm figuring out I'm in a very tight spot in this game. I can't pass these like monsters up front or behind. Um, at least they have that one mechanic to let a, a certain character go back to the ley line fountain and be at a safer spot than they were previously were. So yes, I, I, I definitely agree. It's a brutal difficulty. Um, but it is the most accessible Shin Megami Tensei game out of the whole franchise. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, I love this question too from Kevin because I know Kevin's beaten Monarch and we know like oh, what goodness, kind of crazy yeah. stuff you have to go through to try and beat that game because of the difficulty spikes in that game. So I feel like if Kevin can probably beat Monarch, he could probably beat this game as well, right? Garrett? Yeah. And, and, and he mentioned and Dark Souls, which is an interesting comparison. And I actually, that's probably the most compare, like great comparison with an action mm-hmm. RPG. Dark Souls is hard, it's difficult, but you can figure it out. And mm-hmm. given enough time, you can brute force it if you want to. Um, you could grind it if you want to. Um, that's the same thing here. And it's like, hey, it just, takes a lot of time to understand what the boss level is, what the monsters are, so on and so forth. Um, but once you get it, like I feel like after 10 hours, 15 hours, it's like once you understand the mechanics 
that's going on, you can traverse this game pretty well um, yeah. and get to the end, I think. No, and actually, now that you've kind of broken, when you were talking about ley lines, like a thought crossed in my head when you were talking about that, because they almost remind me of like the bonfires in something like Dark Souls, because they're almost like yeah. space that way, because they're actually is a lot of space that you have to travel between different ley lines, essentially, where they're not very close to get their like older RPGs. Like even going back to Super Nintendo RPGs, you'd find save mm-hmm. points, you know, pretty frequently, like usually one or two per dungeon. Plus, you can save anywhere in the overworld map, whereas Shimigami Tensei 5, you've basically got one ley line and then you're running. You maybe play for an hour or two before you find the next one, essentially. Yes. So I think they're much farther spaced out versus a lot of, you know, old school rpgs anyways with save points mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so yeah there's i, I kind of like revealed a little bit of the battle system a little bit of um kind of how the mechanics work and the affinities and weaknesses um the last thing i want to mention is skills all the monsters once you get them they have a base amount of skills and then as you level them up um they they learn more a set number of skills um and if you level it, it that goes away. I think it's like after three or four skills. And then if you level them up like constantly a little bit more, it's kind of randomized when you can get a new skill and the skill can be super random. Mm-hmm. So it, it gets to that point. Um, sometimes they'll give you an essence when you level them up. An essence I will talk about a little later or an item that, that will help you out. Um, the way the Nahubino or your main protagonist um, gets skills is what I'm going to go to next about essences is um, you go to the Leyline Fountain and then you go uh, go to this different world called the World of Shadows. And this is where you're able to fuse monsters together from your existing party to get a new, stronger monster and you can inherit skills and stuff like that. Um, or you can like give your protagonist new skills from an essence and this essence is basically like an item that's like a copy or blueprint of that monster um and that essence can has a certain like set skills it could be fire electric it could be anything really um but then you can put it into your protagonist anytime during the game and that kind of helps you out um especially in bosses um where you know what the boss's weaknesses are you die because you always die at the boss um but you come go back to the ley line fountain and then you prepare it's like okay so this boss um shoots ice skills so i'm gonna have ice resistance i'm gonna put in a lot of fire skills in my nahubino from these essences that i've just collected over time um so i thought that was a neat little mechanic to add um you can also uh, for the Nahubino, as I said, change the affinities, but then eventually for your monsters, you can force learn them skills from essences as well. And so mm-hmm. you can really mix and match a lot of different things um, with your party, um, especially with fusing monsters and then inheriting these skills. Yeah, there's a uh, lot of customization in the game where you're not like, yeah. you're not forced to go down one path. Although, I mean, if you... I mean, I haven't really looked up guides for for shim, for SMT five, but I imagine there is like probably like like optimized path that that is like do this 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 and this, and then this is like the perfect path or like the easiest. It's kind of like the most streamlined playthrough essentially of like here's mm-hmm. all the skills you should be looking for with this set of monsters um, going mm-hmm. forward. Essentially, is what I'm imagining there. But it, but again, it sounds like it gives you a lot of freedom there when it comes to that. But it also gives you the freedom to make bad choices too, and kind of yes again. Picking yourself to, uh, a little bit if you don't like 
if you don't pick the correct choices or if you have a weakness to a boss that comes up and basically one shots you kind of thing. Yeah, they kind of help you out like, you know, if if you die and you go to your previous save file and you're in the save point before, it's like, okay, let me hunt some monsters around the area right before the boss and mm-hmm. see what you can find. And maybe you'll end up with a monster that's doing pretty good against a boss or um, you'll get enough monsters in your party to fuse a new monster um, in the world of shadows. So basically, yeah, that a lot of, uh, you're right. There's a lot of customization to it. I feel like a lot of guides about SMT five, it's more like boss based. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll like, Hey, this is the boss. This is the weakness and the strengths of that boss. This is what they do in the battle. And this is like kind of what the monsters we recommend you, um, kind of put in there. So yeah, it's right. more streamlined if you follow yeah. a guide. More like um, it, it actually kind of probably reminds me of like reading a, a guide for like an old Mega Man game, like Mega Man 2, for example, yeah. where it's like, here's all the robot masters and here's what they're, you know, weak to essentially, because that um, that's what you're kind of figuring out. Like that, the whole loop of that game is figuring out, you know, what robot masters weak to what weapon, essentially. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that's probably what you're doing. Like That's what you do a lot in this game, too, where you're figuring out. It's a lot about figure, figuring out different weaknesses of whatever you're in a fight, especially bosses in particular. Yeah. Uh, the last thing I want to mention about the world of shadows is the mechanic called miracles. And these are permanent upgrades that kind of just opens up more um, things for you to do during the game. Um, kind of examples is that it unlocks more skill slots um, in your monsters or in the Nahubino. Um, it opens up more party slots. So you can add more demons into your party throughout. Um, in order to get these miracles, you have to find these little things that I swear they got it from the Korok seeds from Breath of the Wild. Of They're called Mimons. And these are just these little demons that are kind of just sprinkled out throughout the world. And once you get em- enough of these Mimons, then you're able to get these uh, miracles. And these miracles are kind of like set. It's a point system. And so... Mm-hmm. They have different strengths and weaknesses. The um, There's a lot of critical miracles um, that you would like to get early game and in late game. Um, so yeah, just when you go throughout the game, maybe check out a guide and see what uh, you want to add uh, first and then throughout the end. Um, it, it really makes the game <laughs> easy. I, I feel like it makes it a lot easier <laughs> once you get well- certain miracles opened up. At least, too, they give you some kind of reward for that. Whereas, like, again, when you compare it to Korok Seeds and what, you, what your reward for is from that, where you're like, why did you even bother doing this? Whereas, yeah. like, it sounds like there's a fundamental reason to go out and, you know, seek out these collectibles, which which is something I like from collectibles and yeah. games, where I like when there's, like, an extra little hook on, on the, the, like, a carrot on the end of the string that's like, hey, there's a reason why you want to collect all this stuff rather than just, you know, being a completionist, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually throughout each open world map, um, near the end, there is a small character that if you give them a certain amount of money, um, they will identify every single collectible for you in the map, which is very useful. Um, especially during late game where I, I try to, um, pick up as much Mimon as I can to kind of maximize certain, um, miracles. Um, so I can face this this disastrous boss at the end that we'll mention later mm-hmm. um yeah. other than that uh items i want to mention about items because i feel like 
most RPGs, and this is personal experience, most RPGs, items are kind of this saving grace or this kind of um, extra thing that you barely touch. Like they're basically um, an afterthought is what you're trying to get at. Yeah, yeah, they are an afterthought. And, but items in here are not <laughs> an afterthought. They are essential, um, especially the spyglass, which is, um, that's the item that reveals all the weaknesses and strengths, which is really nice to see. Um, and then there's magic attacks that you can buy. Um, so you can buy like, you know, an ice gym or force gym or whatever. And those are really critical if you don't have monsters in your party that has that weakness towards an enemy demon, you can use that instead um, and you get extra turns. Um, there are healing ailments because like, let me tell you, these enemy demons, they will throw in every single ailment at you. So it's always good to have that. Um, of course, healing potion items and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I had to use items quite a bit. I always had to go back to the Leyline Fountain go to the item shop and just refill like at least um every other leyline fountain that i saw i'm just like yeah all right give and me I, more I think <laughs> a lot of that just has to do with and at least i noticed this in the early hours in the game where it's just i feel like the magic in this game is much more toned down versus magic in a lot of other yes RPGs. In, in terms of you know it being super useful which is what which is what forces you to use items a lot more whereas a lot of rpgs that i find that i don't use items in are ones where it's like oh my healing is so good anyways and it just recharges when i get to the save point why would i bother using healing items like that's kind mm -hmm. of like the, the the trap that a lot of rpgs kind of fall into whereas this mm -hmm. game if you're going to survive you got to make sure to kind of use like every resource that you're available like, that's available to you in, especially yeah. items in particular like even again in the early game even though i didn't make it that far i noticed that like pretty quickly with this game yeah yeah magic attacks um they're very useful to get weak attacks in there so you can have an extra turn and mm. then man there's just so much strategy in the mechanics of this game um i feel like near the end i had to change strategy left and right um i had demons that were full-on attack um in like the later bosses um, which was not a good strategy because they just kept just destroying my, my like demons and with no healing, barely any healing. And then I didn't actually do as much attack because I wasn't debuffing the enemy party. So I had to get one character, at least one character in there that was full on support. So I had mm -hmm. all, I enhanced my attack and defense in my party and then put down the defense in the enemy party. And then I was finally able to hold my own. Uh, throughout a battle so you definitely um throughout the game gotta change strategy in which um and i'm glad they have a lot of customization involved um so yeah i think the mechanics in here is one of the best uh for turn-based um mm -hmm. it's i think it's um kind of the pinnacle for atlas like i would say persona smt battle system this is probably the most refined one that i've seen Mm -hmm. um, I'm not saying that the other ones were bad or anything like that. They're really good too. It's just I think they they have another leveled up with with this one. They made some yeah. smart um, design choices in this game. Yeah, no, and it, and honestly, they had to do, to make it that kind of pitch perfect, or else the game would probably really feel unfair 
especially in yes. the later stages as well, like much more unfair than it feels already because you'd feel like the mechanics are maybe failing you or something like that. But, you know, mm -hmm. because they had to, you know, properly tweak, you know, how often you used, you know, magic or, or items. And then um, I think how the skill system works and stuff like that too. Like I think, I feel like, yeah, you're probably right about that. Especially again, when you compare it to other Shimigami Tensei games, when you compare it to Persona, again, it, Persona is just more simplified and streamlined yeah. because that's just the flavor of that game. And it makes more sense yeah, in that, yeah. you know, that game in particular to kind of do that. But at the same time, you're probably right. Like this is probably the most technically sound, you know, combat system in any of their games, probably. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's what got me really hooked. And that's why I actually motivated to go to the end, which I'll, I'll explain. So I'm kind of done with mechanics. I think cool. I, we've kind of explained a lot of it out of there in great detail with the way the customization works the gameplay so so good um so before yeah. we move on garrett if yes. i may if i may interject i'm gonna bring in quagmire here who asked right. a question what are your thoughts on the overall story i thought it mm. seemed very light on story for a grpg but could be on could be par for the course for shin Megami tensei as it was my first game in the series so Again, I'm going to transition you a little bit, Garrett, because I, I, I'm yeah. going to direct the conversation in a little bit. What did you think about the story overall in Shin Megami Tensei? Again, we're going to talk about spoilers in a bit, but what do you think, broad view of the story with this game? Um, the story, I completely agree with you, Quagmar. It's a, it's not really a story. It is mm -hmm. just a device that the designers use in order to progress their game or make a yeah. game. It was kind of i feel like it was just teeter-tattered on top there wasn't much um i i don't think they were meant to make a great story out of this just just mm -hmm. thinking about what this the story is it's so um abstract you meet characters along the way and then they just kind of eliminate their motivation or their purpose or they just have like this Ends, they're just ends to a means uh, to the end of the story. Um, I feel like it was like, oh, we need someone that can be this guy at the end. It was like, all right, let's just throw him in here. And and it just didn't feel like they had much thought to the story itself. So if you're looking for um, a JRPG that has a fantastic story, it's not going to be this game. Um, <laughs> you're going to be disappointed um, throughout I, I feel like it's great cutscenes, great um, uh, presentation. I like the presentation of the story. Um, it was kind of cool to see the scenes and the action that ha happened around it, um, but kind of just the logic behind it, the characters. It just, you're like, all right, this is the game. Let's just keep on going. <laughs> Basically, it just doesn't make sense um, most of the time um yeah so yeah anyways. and actually that's kind of how i felt about um and by the way i saw sean in the chat mentioned my audio was a little bit low and i hope this is a little bit better so um i actually yeah i felt that way about you know like shimigami tensei 3 nocturne which is the game i'm most familiar with as mm -hmm. far as the shimigami tensei games are concerned um and that one like the story itself also just really felt like an afterthought like it was a game that just, yeah you were playing it for the gameplay you know, and it kind of, again, goes back to that comparison we had about comparing it between that and Dark Souls a little bit earlier, where again, like Dark Souls has a story if you're looking for it. It's all about kind of environmental storytelling. Um, and it's not really trying to tell you like an overly, you know, complex narrative or anything like that. 
Um, mm-hmm. But it is they, they tell you at least a little bit, just enough to kind of get you in whatever location you're in and kind of yeah. establish the world. And, and I feel like that's kind of what this game does, too, in a lot of ways as well. Like, it's really like the gameplay, like the reason why you focused on mechanics for so long, Garrett, was because like the gameplay is what really yeah. kept you playing with this game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, I totally agree with that. So that's that's what I want to say about the story for now without spoilers. It's just yeah. don't don't be too excited for it. <laughs> so, so then uh, to kind of like you know, finish answering Quagmar's question. Cause you've also, you know, you're also a big fan of Shin Megami Tensei four. How does the story compare mm-hmm. between this game and that game? Like, do you think um, the story is I much feel, better? I feel 4? like four did a little bit better job with the, at least with the characters. Um, you it actually felt some motivation behind, um, many, the main protagonists. And, um, I don't know if you know the, the premise behind four, but you're basically in a, in an academy and you're, trying to fend off demons um in this medieval kind of academy with your friends and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of great exposition and relationships going on um into that game uh and compared to five which kind of just force feed itself like i I remember you mentioning um part of the game where it's like oh it's kind of like persona where you have like a gang of kids together and students together and it's it's kind of cool to see this little spinoff of this this game um being a little bit more colorful or whatever and it's just like that's there and then it's out it is it's not there anymore it's 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 flickered off um so yeah i would say four is a little bit better with the story um but you know it's not comparable to a persona game um i would say so yeah yeah. definitely if you want story in like a shimigami tensei spinoff you're looking at Persona, you're looking at Tokyo Mirage Sessions, you're looking yeah. at, you know, something like Div- Digital Devil Saga on PlayStation 2. You're not really looking at, you know, the mainline Shin Megami Tensei games, I think. Because again, they're mm-hmm. more about the combat and and like actual mechanics versus mm-hmm. versus the story anyways. So that mm-hmm. makes it a little mm-hmm. sense anyways. Yeah. Um, so then I know you also wanted to talk about monsters as well, Garrett. Um, yeah. Before we move into spoilers. Um, and TPR brings up an, a question about this and asks, did this game introduce you to the gods of different cultures that you wouldn't have known about without the game? If so, what, which one in your experience was the most intriguing? So I know kind of, the, and I wanted to bring this up as we kind of transition to monsters, because a lot of the monsters are based off of, you know, gods or deities or, or other, you know, demons and angels from other cultures, yeah. essentially. Um, and uh, I think TPR brings up an, an interesting question here. So, Garrett, take it away. What do you, First of all, what do you think about, you know, TPR's question? Second of all, let's talk about some monsters. Yeah, I really enjoy the monsters throughout all of the Persona and Shin Megami Tensei lines. They all have some sort of mythological connection, whether it's Roman, Greek, Chinese. It's it's everything, guys. It's like it goes through all the mythological creatures, um, and they just kind of mix them all around into one. So super cool to see. Um, there are some very important uh, demons out there. Um, I don't know if I want to mention them too much because they. They, they sprinkle out throughout the story. Uh, hold on, I'm, I'm looking at one that I used quite often late, late game. I just want to make sure I got the pronunciation right. It's, uh, and I'm sure everyone's going to laugh at this one. I think it's, there's so many demons, guys, in the compendium. There's it's so many. Not, yeah. <laughs> to be um, fair, Garrett's not exaggerating. There's a lot. To, to yeah, yeah, there's a lot more than a regular Pokemon list. Um, Fionn Mac Come Hell. 
Uh, he is of, I think, I, like Irish uh, descent. He is an Irish god, and there's a lot that of sounds story. like an Irish name. Yes, um, a lot of lore behind him. Very cool character design. I love kind of the. He's a warrior um, like um, humanoid, but has antlers uh, attached to the top, and he is very um, integral. He has a lot of. Um, kind of like a like a knight or whatever a leader um it looks super cool um what else i love Emanozako, which you actually meet quite in the beginning of the game um this rendition of Emanozako is very different than the previous ones um it's more of a pixie-like demon that has kind of like her own type of issues um that she needs to deal with as well but it helps the nahubino um kind of like detecting items it's kind of like a that the demon's kind of like a radar and it's like okay there's like a hidden treasure right there why don't you go grab it um so and and then she becomes a demon that's in your party that becomes pretty powerful um what else oh my gosh um the later demons on there's there's a drag a chinese dragon one that was super cool character design one i just want to make sure i get the it's probably is it a shenron ripoff of some kind possibly um it's like luong kong or something like that hold on let me let me see if i can dragon dragon demons oh my gosh i just had it too Sorry, guys. I just wanted dead to... Air, dead air, Garrett. Dead air. Dead air. I'm going to be cutting all this out of the Ho- audio version, by the way. Huang Long. <laughs> um, Huang Long, um, it, he's actually a pretty powerful demon near at the end um, it may, it, from Chinese lore. Um, and he looks super dope. Very godlike. Um, very, like, um, kind of spiritual. Almighty, as you can <laughs> see. Um, so, yeah, check some of those demons out because i love the character heart art behind it um nice so that's anyways cool. yeah I, I love the monsters in there um is super cool very imaginative of course everyone's favorite demon mara um search at your of own course. risk guys all right <laughs> i again we have to bring it every up every time but it's just like yes. you know someone out there is gonna end up searching it garrett like, yes we, we, the- we can't you know we can't you know stop people from doing it, but it's just it's wrong garrett Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but I, I love like what like atlas's you know take on a lot of a lot of these monsters in all of their games as well so yeah i think mm-hmm. i think they i know in the early stages i think they did a good job with it and it sounds like in the late game didn't really disappoint either so no no, no yeah i loved um all the like um greek gods too like loki's in there um uh, oh man what else thor was in there as well i like his mm-hmm. that rendition of it um yeah, there's just so many <laughs> in there to count for. Um, I was really focused, other than the character art, I was really focused on skills and bringing up those skills and inheriting them um, throughout the game when I was fusing monsters. It got to the point on a lot of them late game where I was able to bring in passive skills, these skills that are not meant to be in battle, but is a permanent fix to the monster. That made it to where there was no weaknesses in in the affinities. Had a bunch of MP in there, and that really helped me uh, late game. You don't want any weaknesses at all in late game, um, or else you'll probably die in one turn. Um, yeah. but, Unless the yeah. enemy, for example, doesn't have an attack of that weakness, I guess. But 
Mm-hmm. I mean, there's probably not many chances where you're going to run into that in the late game. Yeah, and there was a lot of bosses at the end that turns out to be fusible monsters, or or you can, and and that's the great thing about this game too is like once you beat a boss, um, most likely later in the game or right afterwards, you're able to make that monster and fuse it mm-hmm. and become your own, and it was super cool. Nice, nice. Well, now that we got all that out of the way, Garrett. Yes. Before we move into spoilers. I'm going to ha- I'm going to bring in the rest of the questions in now, I think. OK, sure. Sounds Cause, good. Because uh, I feel like unless there's something else you want to cover I'm, uh, after we're done the questions here, I think we've covered most of the stuff we're going to cover before. Spoiler mm-hmm. talk. So let, I'm going to run through here. We're going to start with Famous Seamus at Famous Seamus. And he's the most famous of all Seamuses. I think it was also his birthday yesterday. So oh, happy, happy birthday, birthday man. Yeah. So Seamus asks, is Shin Megami Tensei 5 a good entry point to someone who's new to Shin Megami Tensei? If not, what games would be a good entry point in the series? Mm-hmm. So if you want to get onto the mainline Shin Megami Tensei games, then I think but I think we talked about it before, but I think both yeah. of us probably agree that it's probably this one is the best yes. entry point. I agree. But yeah, 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 definitely. If you want to dabble in this type of game, but aren't ready to dive into the mainline Shin Megami Tensei games, then I think you should explore one of the side, side games first, whether it's whether it's Persona, whether it's Tokyo Mirage Sessions or, mm-hmm. you know, Digital Devil Saga to, to Seamus's point, because he was asking, you know, if, what what a good entry point would be if it wasn't, you know, yeah. this game in particular. Um, and I think actually, again, like Persona, for example, I think gives you a good taste of what the combat is like in a mainline Shin Megami Tensei game without being as punishing. Um, yeah. and then, and then if you're looking for more of a challenge, then that's when you get into a game like this, especially too. Cause like, as we alluded to, you're not really playing this one for the story either. So it's like, if, if you're not, if you're put off by the gameplay, then you're, it's not going to stick with you for a long time. Right. So mm-hmm. you want to make mm-hmm. sure you're kind of ready for that first. So yeah, if you really, if you feel like you can dive into the challenge right away, then yeah, I mean, I'm putting words in your mouth, Garrett, but I think five is probably the best way to game ninja video, right? Yeah, five is is probably the most successful one out of all of them. Um, I think famous Seamus is a huge Persona nerd, if if I recall correctly. So, like, if you've been Persona games, I think the next like oh, I yeah. think Shin Megami Tensei is a, a great entry point, like any kind of game for you. Um, you can so other than in SMT five, um, you can. Uh, for other systems, you could do SMT, SMT3, Nocturne, HD, which is out on PS4 yep. and PC as well. Uh, for and 3DS Switch. and Switch. Um, and then for 3DS, definitely SMT4 first and then Apo- mm-hmm. uh, 4 Apocalypse because 4 Apocalypse is a straight sequel after yeah. 4. You don't want to play that one first. Yeah, um, but I heard 4 is very hard. To, like the initial hours of that, like the first 10 hours, it's like, brutal it's like you can get into a pitfall and die and restart the game so yeah be wary of that one um no, and, and we'll- shimagama tensei 3 is actually like the same it's very oh, difficult gosh. like even in the starting and again like i said you can get five or ten hours into it and be totally screwed and have to start the whole game over again mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's not yeah. uncommon for that game let alone you know 20 hours and you finally have the same problem so mm-hmm. that's that's a game where it's like yeah, I didn't level up enough and there's no enemies around that are a, a level enough where I can, you know, kill them. So I guess I just got to start over. Yeah. 
pretty much. <laughs> so it's so rough. So yeah, five is probably the best. If you're going to start with a mainline one, five is probably the best one. But otherwise, again, spinoff games are great, too, in the series. Even something like Devil, Digital Devil Saw, again, even though it's on PlayStation 2, I think it's actually a really solid entry of two games as well to check out as well. Uh, but next up, the Don Rob at Rob Duggan asks, I've never played a Shin Megami Tensei game before or Persona, actually. I have so much to play and not a lot of time because Rob has five kids, he claims. Currently, I'm playing Triangle Strategy and it's awesome. Should I even consider playing Shin Megami Tensei 5? Seems like it took you forever and it might be one that will sit on the backlog because, Garrett, you talked about your hour count. No. Yeah. Being in the high 80s, even just, you know, if you went through it without dying and then if you did, it did die, you know, you're looking at about 100 hours. So probably not a wise choice for someone who's got five kids. Garrett, do you agree? Yeah. What do you think? <laughs> I agree. Um, I think it is SMT5 is for that type of gamer that wants that challenge for a turn based game um that's harder than persona that's harder than pokemon they're like hey i need a challenge this this is it like this is kind of the highest difficulty you can get out of a turn-based monster catching fusing monster game um i i have a high hour count because i wanted to get an optional boss out of the way and that boss is by far the hardest boss I've ever like fought in the game or, or like ever in general for, in terms of turn-based games that that's <laughs> the hardest one um so I think I grinded a little bit more um I I may have beaten the game at 75 hours if I didn't do okay. that yeah yeah it's not so bad then or not as bad I should say but that's, <laughs> that's still you bad. know that's still Assassin's Creed Valhalla territory at that point so it's still a lot to ask even for someone who's got a family. Whereas again, yeah, it, took, and it took you a few months even to, to beat the game too, Garrett. So, I mean, yeah, there's yeah. A, there's um, that to cons- kind of consider here as well. It's just mm. like if I was expecting Sean Capri, who I saw in the chat earlier, you know, if he was going to play this game, I would expect him to to take like four or five months probably to finish this game. Yeah. And I also want to say it is, I wouldn't say it's an easy pick up and play, but it's certainly easier to pick up and play than an action role playing game. Cause an action role playing right. game has a flow to it. You have certain button combos, certain time cues or whatever. Whereas this one, it's like you get to you sit on it, think about it, get it refreshed in your mind. And that's why I was able to play a little bit take a break and then get back into it. Cause I'm just so used to these turn-based games. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up Yarden at Yarden angel says I've kind of given Garrett a hard time about how long it's taken him to complete the game. <laughs> Sorry about that. I know Shimigami Tensei games have always been lengthy. Now that you've finished it, what's your honest opinion of the length? Was it justified or should it have been streamlined a bit? So what do you, what do you think about the pacing overall for this game? Garrett, do you think, yeah, that's like, actually they could have made the- it shorter. The biggest highlights of it is that I wish the pacing <laughs> was better in this game. It's um, it go in these ebbs and flows of like big open world level. You're going to spend like 20 or 30 hours in that open level. Okay, here's this short little tidbit of transition to the story. And then here's all the story stuff. All right, 20, 15 minutes later. Okay, now you're back into this big open world um another 20 hours of your life so um lengthy i would say you know it's shorter than a persona game which is nice um but because the story is not 
like the focus of the game at all. Um, I wish the game would cut, especially the ending, the last like open area and the levels yeah. behind it. It was too much. It was like, okay, you are 20 hours too long. Um, yeah. You can make this a tight 40 hour experience and I would be completely satisfied uh, with this game. So that would mean a little bit faster pacing with the monsters and leveling up and the bosses being a little bit more comprehensive and not this exaggerated elongate. Let me tell you the last big area, there's at least like there in terms of required bosses, there is like seven, six or seven required bosses near the end game. And then on top of that, there's another like 15 to 20 optional bosses. So it just gets stupid at the end in terms of the pacing of this game. Um, but yeah, I, Yarden, I wish this game was, was cut in half. Um, yeah. it was cut in half. I would be totally fine with that. Yeah. No. And that's, that's something, uh, again, we, we kind of touched on that when we talked about our, our, the, the best short, like the, the shortest RPGs of all time. And we've mentioned on the show, I think a couple times now where it's just like, I'm the type of person that also really hopes that a direction that a lot of RPGs start to move in is like not giving you endless content and making it like tight. 30 to 50 hour experience essentially that's kind yeah. of like the 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 sweet spot for a lot of rpgs i think like that's like i don't know if when persona 6 rolls around if i'm going to be as excited to jump into it for another what 120 hours because mm-hmm. every persona game since persona 3 has gotten longer and longer with each new entry because again the persona it's 3 crazy it's yeah. manageable you can finish that in about 30 to 40 hours and then persona 4 it's much longer than that. That's like 60 to 70 hours. And then persona five, it's like a hundred hours plus. Um, so it's like, I really yeah. hope that that's a trend we see happen more often because that's one of the things that I loved about tales of arise. When we talked about tales of arise last year, it's like, that felt like the perfect length for a game. I know mm. Sean and I have our, our differences of opinion on that one. Cause Sean actually wishes it was a little bit shorter um, because of the way the story kind of works out. Um, but in that game, but I know like, even if it's just 40 hours and they gave you and, and that was with the optional extra stuff, like I'd be happy with something like that at full price. Like I'm not, I'm not always looking for an RPG to be, you know, a hundred hours long. It, like not every RPG needs to do that. Like if it feels story wise, like it needs to do that, mm-hmm. like something like final fantasy 14, for example, then yeah, I'm okay with that. If it feels like, you know, it's not plotting in certain areas or if you, if it doesn't feel like you're doing like 10 hours of filler or something like that, um, which kind of sounds like what happened with the ending in Shimigami Tensei five, where it almost, the way you describe it, Garrett, it almost feels like you're doing like 10 to 20 hours of filler in the end location to get to the ending, essentially. Yeah. Is what yeah, you're no, telling me with that, that definitely was it. Um, I was like, all right, let's just, can we get to the end now? <laughs> Basically. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, I'd love to, when you would talk about it on Shaq, cause I remember you, for weeks you'd be like, all right, I, I think I'm in the final area now, you guys. I okay. think I'm almost there. So funny thing behind it, I was in this area where I looked up a guide. I'm like, okay. And the, in the, like the tab section of, of this, the area was like the last tab of that page or whatever on the website. And I'm like, I must right. be in the last area. This is super cool. Nope. I was in the, well, I was in the dungeon of the second to last area. And then I had to do this big turning point of the story. And then 
the last open area. And that last open area is like, no joke, 40 hours. It was, it, of course it is. It was 30 to 40 hours of my time. It was that last area. Um, yeah, the pacing of it is a little ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, See, but, seems very inconsistent to me anyways. Yeah, yeah. That's just how I feel about it. So last question comes to us from Brian Eck over on YouTube. And by the way, shout out to Brian Eck, by the way, who always is in there, the comments with just about every show that we do, you know, asking questions there or asking questions on the Discord. So huge, huge shout out to Brian for being awesome. So Brian asks, Shin Megami Tensei 5 was my first mainline Shin Megami Tensei game. Nice. What game in the series should I play next? So this is a this is an interesting call. And I think, again, as we kind of alluded to earlier with, with Seamus's question, I think it just de- depends on what direction you want to go. And if you want more of this type of game like if you want one that's like focused on mechanics and, and combat then i think you go with you know it's probably a Shin Megami tensei 4 is probably yeah the best bet like i i probably wouldn't recommend three unless you played four first because three is just brutally difficult i actually think from what i've read not just my and evidence of playing the game but from what i've read from other people saying this from who played three and four they say that three is way harder then four, so and four is hard enough already. So yeah, four is pretty. Rough I, I think too. it's just. Yeah. I, I think it's it doesn't hold up as well as Shimigami Tensei Four does. So I would mm-hmm. say if you want to go in that lateral direction, that's probably where you go next, right, Garrett? What do you think? I I agree. Yeah, four is probably a great one. If you have 3ds, that's awesome. Go get uh, the game um, either on the eShop or get it physically. I don't know if it's, <laughs> I don't know what the price is physically these days, but I think it's still oh, it's on expensive. A, dig- a digital store for retail price. And I, it goes on sale. So keep a lookout still for a possible sale with these uh, Shin Megami Tensei games. Cause they still do yeah, that. They've been on, on sale a couple times, but yeah. I don't know if they're going to keep doing that now that they yeah. disabled credit cards on the store. Cause That's you do have to, fill up your eShop wallet either on your switch or get a gift card essentially in order mm-hmm. to be able to buy stuff. So yeah, um, that is, that is kind of a bummer, unfortunately, but it does go on sale from time to time. But even if you don't get the sale price, I think it's still just 15 bucks. You know, even if it's not on sale, I think it's way 20. cheaper. Yeah. Okay. But it's still even at 20 way cheaper than a physical copy because physical copy is like a hundred dollars right now mm-hmm. for just the cartridge, let alone a yeah. complete copy. Gosh. So, like Um, 3ds in particular has really exploded in price in the last like year oh great Um, pretty much ever since they announced the store is closing so like all those games like if you see a 3ds game in a store right now that you're at all interested in you should buy it now because it's going to just that's the cheapest it's just gonna go away forever either the black market um it it, it won't go away it'll just be expensive so it'll just be super expensive to get now yeah um, I hear the first two Shimagami Tensei games. Um, it's, I mean, they're, they're rough too, and they're pretty rudimentary. Um, yeah. but I do hear that they have a lot more demonic and angelic character design, which is kind of interesting to hear, uh, compared to what they have now. I feel like they've been slowly more, um, hu- like human personalized like more of a human-like nature more of a japanese culture type of like being like skinny or slender or something like that whereas the classic one and two games they were 
they were really heavy on the mythological stuff on the like mm -hmm. the demons look like they're actual demons from mythology um which is kind of cool to see um yeah. so if you're the only that, downside with those ones out. is that if you want to play those now you do have to find fan translations of them because oh gosh don't have them in english because they're on super famicom only so they're only on the one to. and two is super famicom only okay super famicom only we talked about that on the uh on the Shimigami Tensei episode. Things, you know like, me. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think because I I'm I'm like 95 percent sure and correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, folks, but I'm like 90 percent sure that remembering correctly that three was the first one we got in North America. The there is first the first one we got in North America. OK, cool. Yeah, because cool. likewise, good. like we didn't get if here either. Um, in fact, fun thing about Shimigami Tensei one, two, they're on the switch Nintendo switch online in Japan for Super Famicom. Yeah, but you have to. But they're in Japanese, so. Good luck trying to play them. Don't do that. But they're there. <laughs> just like the Fire Emblems games, they're there as well. So just waiting for you to play them. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Imagine if we had all those games, Garrett, translated to North America on the Nintendo Switch Online. Hoo-wee. It would make too much it. sense. <laughs> <laughs> it would make too much sense. Yeah, because the series had kind of like, again, we talked about it on the, the that episode too, but the series had taken like a really big gap um, between um, Shit Megami Tensei that two and then three essentially because they mm -hmm. didn't release the next one till the playstation 2 and they were doing persona yeah. on playstation 1 and that was kind of like the shimigami tensei games we got of you know that console generation essentially. got it got yeah. it but there we go that's all the questions that y'all want to ask and huge shout out to everyone for thank you for asking us all the questions for this particular episode um but garrett you mm -hmm. want to regale us with some spoilers yeah um before i get into spoilers just one a couple minutes i want to talk about the atmosphere of this game which i think okay. is the one of the biggest um uh, biggest positives out of this game than the mechanics i really enjoyed traversing in the open world of these different levels there's about like four open worlds levels throughout the game um it makes you it's in it's post-apocalyptic stuff there's a lot of demons and angels around it really made you feel like you're in this bizarre world and i really enjoyed it it, it was a lot of tie into futuristic um vibes but along with like mythology and demons and so it's just this weird cataclysm of like different like mashup of different um i don't know symbolism and atmosphere i really enjoyed it um they they really exploited that a lot throughout the game even though the story's not that great, I really enjoyed um, the not uh, the atmosphere around the level design. Um, super cool. I like the first open world where it's a very open desert, and then you go run throughout the level, and then you see the Tokyo. Um, it was it the Tokyo Eiffel Tower or something like that. I think it's it Tokyo was, Towers. That's the Tokyo Tower. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It's very cool to see these landmarks throughout the game. Um, and yeah, I just wanted to mention that the atmosphere, the vibe uh, the music behind this game, um, uh, select ones off of Spotify. You can kind of see them throughout, like, like the number of plays, like check though, the highest ones out cause they're really cool battle music. Um, I really got hooked into them. It has a certain vibe to it. I don't know how to explain mm -hmm. it. It's, it's futuristic, but it's also just like. I don't know, like yeah. techno. Yeah, it's like a weird, like cultural mix, uh, mishmash of stuff. Like, yeah, um, it kind of reminds me of, and, and I know you don't play Magic the Gathering, Garrett, but mm -hmm. you know, Magic the Gathering did a recent set called um, uh, uh, 
Return to Kamigawa, essentially, where or Kamigawa Neo Dynasty, where it was basically taking all, all about the fusion of like cyberpunk Japan and fusing it with, you know, Japanese mythology and kind of like the clashing of those ideas together and it, it being kind of like representation of modern Japan, which is basically like old Japan versus new Japan mm-hmm. and those kind of clashing a little bit when it comes to a lot of stuff. I got the same feeling from Shimigami Tensei 5, where again, it's like taking like futuristic Japan, but also it clashing with like you know, Japanese mythology in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Which is kind of cool. Also, it was cool to see those landmarks too, because uh, I've been to a lot of those in person. So I love seeing, cool. I always love getting a chance to see those in games. Because we don't, yeah. I, I've, I've said on this show before, but I don't think we can have enough games that are actually set in Japan anyways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or modern Japan in a way. So there you but go. That's, that's why I want to mention about the atmosphere. All right, guys, I'm going to just go into a little bit more spoilers um folks out there you've been warned you've been warned warned. um i'm gonna be mentioning about a little bit of characters and then what goes on at the ending and then why it's so um (laughs) not not so great it's just very dumb i just think the story is dumb (laughs) um all right hit me with those spoilers garrett okay so yeah you have this main character the protagonist um fuses this guy named aogami right he's the proto fiend he is kind of this random other um kind of demon or whatever that hey yeah we're we're supposed to be together we're linked together and we're gonna be called the nahubino which is um symbolizes this being that has um that is human but also has the forbidden fruit knowledge and can be as powerful as god basically or or kind of on that level of 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 power and then there's this throughout the game it talks about this power strive throughout all of these separate different factions um initially okay so beginning of the game god is slain he's destroyed and so everyone is racing um each individual race the demons and then various different factions of the Bethel, which is representing the angelic side of the story. Um, they're racing to get to the throne and command humanity, basically, or command the earth. Um, so yeah, you meet characters along the way. You kind of start out with the ja- the Bethel Japan branch. Um, that's kind of like your central hub. And like it feels like your motivations are there. Like it's like, hey, kind of align with the Japan branch. <laughs> this this one's pretty stupid. I think this is really really dumb. Um, so the Japan that you've been living in is not real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course, <laughs> that's that's how they explain it. And so you you know you meet in the beginning of the game, you think you're in Japan, right? You're like, hey, this is Tokyo, right? You yeah. play the first open world, and then you go back to that open world, and then your group is like, guys, we have actually been not in Japan at all. This is actually destroyed Japan, and we've made this certain imaginary bubble around it to make you think like it's Japan. I'm like, why are you doing this? <laughs> so it's literally the plot of The Matrix, because yeah. literally that's what happens in The Matrix, Garrett. Spoilers yeah. for The Matrix, by the way. It adds a lot of confusion to it. Um, let's see here. I just want to mention some characters in here that are throughout the game there i think that you know i'll explain a little bit what they do um kind of the most uh the important character alongside you is tao isano kami 
she is um, one of the few friends that are in that group with you. Um, she eventually uh, dies and becomes part of your, like transcends into an angel um, for you to be in your party. And she actually is kind of just instrumental throughout the end. But she just seemed like a guiding character, I guess mm -hmm. you can say. There wasn't really... She seemed like a leader in like trying to figure out certain cases and like trying to control the conflict that was in Bethel, Japan. But all in all, she dies, comes back, and then becomes this angel demon, and then tries to get through into these um, sincere and like emotional conversations. And it's just like, guys, this this is not. I I don't know this character. This he she's been away with me for thirty hours. Like, what do you expect me to do here? But, she almost yeah. it kind of reminds me of like because you were talking about how she's like a helpful character. She's like kind of like pointing you in the right direction, helping you control the conflict. She almost reminds me of that from that description, anyways, of someone like Cortana from Halo. Yeah. Except except you just don't care about her because they but they throw it into the story and think you you do care about this character. From yeah, she like. She dies and she becomes like a huge gap in the story. And then they're like, all right, let's bring her back and let's make her a, an angel to be in your party. I'm like, cool. She has a very cool um, skill set as well, which is, I wouldn't say it's important late game, but like it's more like mid to late game. She is pretty important. Um, leveling, uh, by the way, the leveling system really sucks at the end, but uh, I could talk <laughs> about that some other time yeah, but it's also a game garrett where you're at max level and enemies are still crushing you in one hit it's so bad just saying <laughs> oh my gosh shiva oh my shiva is terrible um okay and then your two friends which i think is it symbolizes a lot in four as well they completely copy this from four where there's these two friends of the protagonist that becomes the major bosses at the end, they re represent one motivation or one faction. One is mm. Yuzuru Atsuta, who um, he is this cool guy. He is this all-knowing, knowledgeable dude that knows about Nahobino, that knows about the magic, and he kind of figures out from the very beginning how to take care of himself and kind of try tries to be that fourth front, uh, front type of person that knows all, all this stuff and tries to not teach you, but test you um, throughout mm -hmm. the game. It's like, hey, do you know this? Or hey, do you know that? And then it gets to the point where he's um, his motivations lie uh, with Bethel Japan. And Bethel Japan is basically like, let all the gods roam free and like just let them figure out themselves what to do with the throne. Um, that's, that's basically what Bethel Japan is. He becomes one of the, he, he becomes my last boss actually um the third ending where i destroy the throne um mm -hmm. but yeah he fuses with i'll i'll mention this character hayo koji misu who you meet in the beginning he's the leader of the group uh of bethel japan but you figure out later that he's not human he is actually a a god demon and he is actually a brother of your um the the aogami your proto fiend other half of nahubino um and so there's a lot of conflict there, depending on the choice you make uh, throughout the game. And then there's, oh, this one's the worst one. I just, I can't believe they had this character. Ichiru Dezai reminds me a lot of, um, who's the, God, what's his name? The 
blonde hair buzz character in persona five your ryuji yeah ryuji yeah yeah, yeah. no he totally reminds me of that um of course with the, the greatest bl- Persona 5 character, by the way, Ryuji. I, I think it's the same voice I actor, that too, uh, to be quite honest oh, with you. Uh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Like, he he feels weak throughout the game, and then he figures out he wants to be with this other um, Bethel Archangel, and that Bethel Archangel um, is convicted with, like, God itself, and so he kind of becomes twisted with that that boss or that magical being, and they end up being the ultimate demon boss at the end where he realizes that they need to embrace darkness in order to follow God's rules or whatever. Um, and he, he just becomes so weird. He was like in the beginning, super nice, super friendly near the end. He has this weird face change at the last area. He's like, now I'm evil and like, but not evil. They, they try to make it anti-hero-ish. Yeah. In a way, in a I was way. gonna say there's not like a lot of good and evil in this game. Anyways, like it's, there's a yeah. lot of blurred lines with a lot of stuff. Anyways, mm-hmm. Shimigami Tensei game, but he, but he probably it sounds like he pulls like the Snidely with Flash. He's like he probably is like twisting his mustache and stuff like that. It's like I was evil this whole time. You didn't even know it. Yeah, yeah, and he he was an interesting character to face at the end. Uh, the rest of the students, um, I won't mention. Not really particular. Um, um like important in the story at all um, well they live in a simulation world anyways garrett they they don't they're not important that that's so true it's so weird it's like hey there's these characters all these characters in here you're about to start the game and then they just kind of like broke yeah. it off like okay now you're on your own on this open world and i'm like okay sure um and and the story just became lackluster with it um Kind of the last two characters, not even the bosses or the main gods or whatever, I want to mention is Shohi Yakumo and Nuwa. Both of them are bosses throughout the game. They have their own motivations to get to the throne, which I actually chose um, to destroy the throne. Um, not giving it to anyone, not controlling it for myself, but destroying it and let humanity figure it out. Um, and so they were an interesting bunch of of characters too. They felt like they had their own motivations against the demons in the Bethel. Um, and I, I found these characters to be the most interesting ones out of the bunch. Um, they had their own roles, their own agenda. It was kind of cool to see. Nice. Um, and then that's pretty much it with the characters in the story. There's three endings to it um, and an optional fourth ending. This optional fourth ending, you need to complete certain side quests in order to get there. Um, right. And I thought I did it. <laughs> I thought I triggered all of the side quests, and that's why I defeated this last side quest that leads to this optional boss that's level 96. So basically right. near, like, max level. Um, even my max, Nahubino could not beat it at all, which sucks. <laughs> um, so I had to changed my party a little bit and I finally beat it and then I was trying to get through the ending and it didn't trigger it and it looked like I just missed a side quest that it never popped up in my screen <laughs> it, oh that's it, not good yeah I, I I feel like it's one of these um kind of obtuse um kind of pathways that I went through and I guess I just didn't um trigger a certain side quest in my game and so I couldn't get the optional fourth ending 
but I was totally fine with it. I was ready to be done with this game. I picked an ending and I was fine with it. Um, yeah. Well, it'd be different if you had yeah. to, you could only you could go back and do like one or two things and then get that ending again. Mm-hmm. And then you probably be like, oh, well, I may as well, you know, spend the five hours or however long it'll take to, to do this kind of thing. But mm-hmm. yeah, that sounds like it would take like way more work to do that. You'd probably have to like start the game over at this point. Yeah, I and I don't want to do that. I, I am yeah. good where I'm at. Um, if you beat the optional boss, Shiva, um, the last two required bosses are so so easy it's so and that's another thing with this pacing of this game it's like hey you can beat this super ultra mega boss at the end so i trained up so much for that and then to lead to the final boss being like a walk in the park i was just yeah yeah yeah, it was just like come on guys well Um, the way you're talking about it garrett um i know you haven't finished it but final fantasy 7 the original mm -hmm. is actually like that where there's um there there are three optional bosses you fight in the world that you can fight in the world towards the end of the game, like right before the final conflict. And if if you beat them, they're like 20 or 30 times harder than the final boss in the game. Yeah. So it's just like, so it's just, if you can beat them, like the final boss is just, you can actually kill the final boss in one attack. If you know <laughs> oh my gosh. In final <laughs> fantasy seven. Um, whereas the same tr- using that same trick against the optional bosses is like, good luck like you get, you might get half their health down or a quarter of your health down in, in the case of the hardest boss so mm-hmm. it actually sounds like it takes like a similar trajectory to that where it's like the optional bosses are like way harder yeah than the final boss and that's that's why they're optional because they, yeah they're especially the last optional boss the other optional bosses seemed actually to me um i'm glad i i i faced them because i was able to uh, like bring my party up levels up and everything like that so i'm able to go to the last dungeon but that last mm. optional boss i'm just like why is it so high oh my god <laughs> it was the hardest boss i ever faced so um glad i Good i got done with it <laughs> but that's pretty much it all right ryan i'm that's done it for spoilers yeah yeah it's over sorry i wanted to explain a little bit of these characters in the story and how oh, it turned up it was a little obtuse um not only that Garrett but who else were you gonna vent all this to anyways yes I mean, you, you, you may as well you know we, we may as well talk it out here and um I hope anyways you know if anyone out there who's played Shin Megami Tensei 5 and we're waiting for someone to talk about the ending with I'm glad we were able to, to fulfill that niche at least a little bit here yes and talk about the endings at least a little bit um because I know again I'm probably not going to get there I don't know if I when I go back to this game at some point um but it's good to know it's good to know things to watch out for like i think like if i'm going to go back and play this now garrett i'm probably just going to play it like with a guide just knowing like hey here are the things you need to do to get to the the the, the cool ending i guess so yeah i want to make sure that that's all mapped out if i ever decide to go down i actually recommend because i learned from your mistake <laughs> yeah <laughs> i recommend a guide full heartedly with this yeah. game and also if you I, I i forgot what the price tag was for the dlc but the dlc for this game um adds so much more um it makes it easier um mm-hmm. especially with like um respawns on certain monsters that get you certain items and then also gives you new monsters to fuse that actually are essential um in certain boss battles like cleopatra i heard is one of the um <laughs> kind of like overpowered demons that you could get from a dlc so anyways nice it's pretty much nice. it well i think that's probably going to wrap that's up it. our conversation 
about Shin Megami Tensei Five, Garrett. I mean, we've been, this is actually probably the longest episode of the RPG game ever. Which <laughs> you're I'm welcome. Very excited. About. Kind of like the kind of like the same way that 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 Shin Megami Tensei Five is probably the longest <laughs> game that Garrett played last year. So yeah. there you go. Well, there you go. Before we go, Garrett plugs go. You can um oh uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Bland Explosion, and you can also find me on the Nintendo Shack part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network, where we're live every Thursday nights over at Twitch.tv/psvg, um, and we're also on the podcast services including Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts, yeah, you can go and subscribe over there. And you know, I have to I have to plug the fact that Garrett, it's yeah. finally happening. We're playing Golden Sun. We're, I'm we're so excited. Golden Sun. You guys are playing right Golden Sun. I'm playing along with you. I'm playing on my Wii U. Nice. I'll have you know. Cool. Because I want us, I want us to be able to talk about it. Because I've been like, again, when we when Garrett and I started planning out this show, like one of the episodes I wanted to do, like really was like chomping at the bit to talk about was Golden Sun. Okay. So I'm very excited that we're finally going to get to the point, Garrett, where there will be an episode up on the show of us talking about that dang game. Yes. It's going to be great. Definitely. Be I played the beginning. It's I- good so far. Nice. Yeah. As for me, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Turford. You can find us on Twitter at Carpool Gaming, on YouTube at youtube.com slash Carpool Gaming, on Patreon at patreon.com slash Carpool Gaming, on podcast services around the globe. So for Garrett Bland, I'm Ryan Turford. This has been the 50th level of the RPG Cave, and we're out. Bye-bye. The RPG Cave's mana is powered by patrons over at patreon.com slash carpool gaming and one way to say thank you to our most 90 patrons starting off with our ultimate producers mostly martinez dano emily o'kelly dallas ford trucker sloth jonathan brown the man behind the music on the xbox drive and the nintendo drive you can check out his new album in my element drew agnew lee navarro the fearless leader of the phoenix overdrive extra life team we also want to say thank you to our platinum producers rebecca rubin navarro skinny matt and robbie bobby miller and our gold members, Anna W, The Snack Network, Foolish Fuji, Mr. and Mrs. Nasty Boots, Tony Baker, Joey Splats, Mac Time, RJ Kern, Jose Jimenez, Argo, Marcus O'Neill, Dallas Robbins, and Celsi Carrazzo. Thank you all for all of your support. And if you're not a Patreon yet, head over to patreon.com slash carpoolgaming and pick the tier that's right for you.